This is a War Machine Rhino. What's up? This is TJP. This is the Swingman Johnny Swinger. This is Father James Mitchell. And you're listening to Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis, Daddy. <laughs> What's good, everybody? It's your host, Carmen Michael, here for another episode of Total Nonstop Analysis. As always, I am joined by my co-host, my wonderful friend, KP. KP, how you doing? I am doing wonderful. How are you doing today, buddy? Man, it is a beautiful day. It's a wonderful day. Things are just are seemingly going my way the last few days, and I'm very happy about that. We've had a great week. Of course, kicked off Friday with our featured Friday episode for CM Punk, where we reviewed three matches from CM Punk's stint in TNA. I guess he listened to the podcast and got uh, you know, got the itch to get back in wrestling or something because... I want to say he showed up at like some indie promotion or something on Friday night. Is that right? I, I heard it was that some kind of t-shirt uh, companies, uh, uh, some kind of t-shirt company had some kind of convention in Chicago. Uh, and, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was thinking that too. I was like, wow, CM Punk must listen to the, uh, to the podcast. I mean, uh, good thing I tagged him in the episode and, uh, I guess he, he listened to it and he's like, you know what? I, I think I want to, uh, Thing I want to relive my glory days in TNA, and so he showed up at that indie show. Yeah, so uh, everybody who's excited about CM Punk coming back, I saw like a ton of tweets about people saying they were super excited about wrestling. Now they're gonna, they're gonna, they're going to watch th- that T-shirt company uh, on TV now, and uh, I just want to say uh, you're welcome. Yeah, you're you're welcome, and I hope all of you go back and re-listen. To that bonus episode we did, again, that was featured Friday CM Punk. We took a look back at CM Punk versus Shane Douglas in a clockwork orange house of fun match, as well as two tag team matches where CM Punk and Julio De Niro took on Sandman and Terry Funk, as well as Raven and Sabu. And of course, we discussed his exit from the company and... uh some theories about that. After that, though, Saturday night had a great show in Eider, Alabama. It was a fundraiser for Eider High School basketball. Man, the action was hot all night. I really enjoyed myself. A lot of the people there had never seen wrestling before. So this was their introduction to professional wrestling, and they absolutely loved it. They were interactive all night. We had a lot of people getting their pictures taken with and getting autographs signed. So it was wonderful. That's great. It's always great to get new people into wrestling, especially when you see them really enjoying it. Here recently, uh, well, yesterday I watched the uh, the Action Club uh, of, of Anniversary 6, the first half Anniversary 6 on IWTV. And uh, I, I made a tweet about it. I just want to uh, reiterate that, that that casket match between Sean Christopher and uh, Logan Creed, that just seemed that's just more proof of what I've been saying for a while now that uh, Sean should be in the title picture. Man, that casket match. We're talking about Action Clash episode 50, which was taped at our anniversary six show. 
Of course, Anniversary 6 will be releasing this week on Thursday, which will be probably the day that you're listening to this. So be sure to keep an eye out on IWTV. It was an excellent show. But yes, I agree about... One of the best tag matches I've ever seen on that show. And then, of course, Action Clash 51 and 52 were taped on Sunday at our Top Shelf event. We uh, decided since it's a new season of Action Clash, we'd switch up the locale a little bit. Obviously, of course, our first Action Clash tapings were at Top Shelf. So, you know, it was a little bit of a callback, but we did some uh, we did some remodeling. And it made a really interesting look for the TV show. So, really stoked about that. But while we're talking about wrestling, what do you say we talk about what we're here for? And that is TNA Bound for Glory 2005. This was TNA's first ever Bound for Glory, which they describe as their biggest event of the year. It's it's, uh, basically TNA's WrestleMania. Well, they won't say that, but yes. But that's basically (laughs) what it was, yeah. We start off with a hype package with epic TNA voiceover man saying, it all started a year ago at Victory Road. A year of sacrifice, a year of battling against all odds. They faced a turning point with an unbreakable will and through no surrender. Now they are bound for glory. Boys will become men. Men will become warriors. This is the night of the grandest event in TNA history. This is the night of their lives. And I got to say, right off the bat, this is probably the best opening package. And it's not just because of the puns. <laughs> they always are able to hop these events up with this opening package. Like, it could be the most lackluster card you've ever seen in your life. And they'll get you pumped to watch that show with just this intro. It's It's the voiceover guy, man. It's the voiceover guy. Every time we then cut ringside where Mike Tanay tells us this is our final four, our Super Bowl and our World Series all rolled into one. Which I would say is a bit hyperbolic. But we kick off the show with Samoa Joe versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Tell me that's not a dream match. Dream match I didn't know I needed. I knew this was coming up when we did our featured Friday New Japan Pro Wrestling. I almost put this on, but then I remembered. I was like, wait a second. We're going to be reviewing that in just a few weeks. So let's let's hold off on that. Yeah. Joe does get his WrestleMania-esque entrance with a traditional Polynesian dance complete with his own dance troupe. Not something I'd ever thought I'd see Joe doing at all. I was shocked. I was like, wait, this is Samoa Joe. Which okay. John West was <laughs> like, and Joe showing off some charisma. It was just, it was weird. Like he's this tank, like this 
behemoth that goes through and like demolishes all these opponents. And here he is just like smiling and like rocking back and forth and slapping his arms and like having fun. Like it's, it's in a way it's kind of terrifying seeing him go from that to a killer in the ring is crazy. But then we get Jushin Thunder Liger on his way. We cut to see the president of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Simon Anoki, who is ringside for this historic matchup. We get streamers for Liger, and then the match is underway. Liger, of course, with his high-flying offense today. He really innovated, but Joe is the powerhouse Liger does try to show off his strength, though, with his suplex, but Joe does not budge. So Liger stomps his foot to get the suplex before hitting a frog splash for a very close two. Joe gets Liger in the corner, but Liger hits him with a power bomb for a near fall. Liger then goes to the top rope, and Joe sees his opportunity, kicks Liger's leg out from underneath him before hitting a quick muscle buster and locking in the Coquina Clutch for the knockout victory. So right off the bat, like I said, a dream match. Did it live up to the hype for you? Uh, went about what I was expecting. I mean, I, I don't expect any, like, five-star, you know, Best match of you know, ever seen in my life, but I just I, it, it it lived up to, to to what I figured it would be. Just a fun, a fun little opener. Uh, you know, less than ten minutes. It, it showed off a lot. Have it showed off a lot with what both guys could do. Uh, a Liger's Liger bomb always looks great, and then you know Joe just always is tremendous. I very much enjoyed this match. Yeah. Really, really, really enjoyed it. We then see fan fest footage, which looks like a grand old time. And then a ringside, we are shown the TNA gut check winners, which was a competition, not unlike WWE's tough enough. It's a, a rather large man. And a rather large, bulky woman, respectfully, muscular, very muscular woman. But uh, you might want to remember those faces, KP. Oh, I know it said that the winners uh, are getting to go train at the at, at New Japan Dojo, which was interesting. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, see some debut shortly. Ooh. Backstage, Shane Douglas is standing by with Simon Diamond, and Diamond's in the rough. Simon is giving David and Elix a pep talk, and they are fired up. But uh, Shane Douglas wasn't there, like uh, Mike Tanay had said. He said, we're going to go backstage with Shane Douglas, who is standing by with Simon Diamond, and Diamond's in the rough. Shane Douglas, nowhere in sight. Clearly, there was something he needed to investigate in the parking lot. There was probably, I was, about, I was about to say, there was probably something in the parking lot. Did, does anybody uh, know if any kind of limos may have pulled up in the parking lot? Because we know Shane Douglas would immediately be right there on the spot. 
had to be what it is, right? Either way, up next, we get Diamonds in the Rough taking on Apollo, Sonny Siaki, and friend of the podcast, Shark Boy. Oh, shell, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty decent match with David Young picking up the win for his team with a spine buster on Siaki. So it looks like Simon's pep talk worked. Yeah. Like Simon's pep talk worked. Mike Tanay and Don West then talk about the free 30 minute kickoff show and show clips from the X Division four way between Andre Dutt, Alex Shelley, Austin Aries, and Roderick Strong. And then show a clip of Raven facing off with Larry Zabisco before Rhino says that he deserves the title shot with Jarrett. Now that there's a title shot open, who will get the chance tonight? So right off the bat, Kevin Nash, not here tonight. How do you feel Shocker. About I'm shocked, to be honest. Kevin Nash never misses the big shows. Well, to be fair, Nash was not cleared to wrestle due to the fact they thought he had a heart attack. Well... That escalated. Which, which, I mean, if there's going to be a reason you miss, I mean, that's got to be it, right? It 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 had to be that that'd be a good reason, but I I still think that uh that they'd be like, hey, you know, you still coming in? <laughs> yeah, you know, if it was uh the blue superstore, they'd be like, well, are you still coming, or have you found a replacement? They're like, well. Did you die? No. Or are you coming in or not? Either way, though, Nash was hospitalized for what was believed to be a minor heart attack. Luckily, of course, we know that he ended up being okay. But we will determine a new number one contender tonight. Ooh. (laughs) We then see Shane Douglas with Jeff Jarrett and Gail Kim. We heard already about the unfortunate incident with Kevin Nash in the hospital. Jarrett says Zabisco has his work cut out for him. Put all the names in a hat and draw them out for all he cares. Screw Jeff Hardy. Screw Rhino. Screw Abyss. Screw Sabu. Screw Raven. Because someone is going to end up in a casket tonight. Monty Brown interrupts and demands. Jarrett says, screw you to his face. Jarrett sheepishly asks, why would you say that? Monty tells him he's coming for his title. Jarrett says that Monty needs to focus on Hoyt because if he loses, he's going to fall out of favor with the championship committee and he cannot afford a loss. Of course, we know that Monty Brown had aligned himself with Jeff Jarrett in the past under the pretense that when Jeff Jarrett was champion, Monty would get the first shot at the title, which uh, never happened. Monty, of course, does not forgive. He does not forget. But Jarrett, a little bit scared of the alpha male, don't you say? I mean, who wouldn't be? It's Understandable. Monty Brown. And you know, speaking of Monty Brown, we recently had some news come up about him. He, uh, you know, it's probably just trademarking some, uh, following some uh, uh, stuff for an upcoming clothing line. 
but there's that little bit of hope that maybe he may be returning. Hashtag please, Monty, come to New South. Hashtag please. Hashtag Monty. Haas 2022. Monty for Haas 2022. Yeah, make it happen. But we do get the match next up that Jarrett was talking about as Lance Hoyt takes on Monty Brown. To quote Big E, this is two big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> and I absolutely cannot wait to see Lance Archer in person on September 25th. I'm so stoked. Of course, the New South has their rock and wrestling show in Sheffield, Alabama at the brand new amphitheater that's opening up. It's pretty much going to be an AEW, ROH, NWA, New South Super Show, which is insane. You, you, you know we got to talk to Lance about TNA. Maybe do something for the pod. Oh, it's going to happen. I'm really excited to work with Lance. And his main event opponent, too, Brian Cage. Oh, I can't wait. I love I Brian know. Cage. He's, he's one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm stoked. I know I'm going to be excited. And 10's and going to be there, too? 10. James ten. Storm, speaking of TNA, ten. James Storm will be there. Matt Sadal. Of course, all your New South favorites. you got Cabana Man Dan, Derek Neal, Adam Priest, Kinsey Page, Kung Fu Janela. It's going to be lit, as the kids say. Exactly. I'm stoked. But as excited as I am about that, Let's talk about how excited this crowd was because they were pretty hyped and pretty split on who to cheer for. Both men are extremely over. Hoyt goes for a top rope moonsault, but Monty throws him to the floor and gets the momentary advantage. Monty hits a beautiful fallaway slam and goes for the pounce, but Hoyt has it scouted and hits Monty with a big boot, followed by a top rope moonsault for only a two Hoyt goes on some offense, but Monty muscles him up with ease for an alpha bomb for a near fall of his own. But ultimately, Monty picks up the victory after hitting a monstrous pounce for the pinfall victory. This was great. So after that teasing from Jarrett earlier, which I thought for sure was going to mean Jarrett was going to come out and cost Monty his match. So... It would mess with his championship hopes. No, Monty just wins clean. It's kind of, I mean, I, I, I'm i not opposed to it. He, he deserves to win clean. Dude, this, uh, I think it was the Alpha Bomb spot. The one, there was a spot where uh, the Monty, like, uh, had Archer, and he, he threw him up on his shoulders and then yeah. hit. Yeah, he, I was like, pretty much had him. Shit. <laughs> If I remember correct, he had him in a like a fallaway slam position. Yeah. And then just basically tossed him in the air and caught him in power bomb position. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh it was my insane. God. <laughs> this man is a beast. After this, we get a recap from Bombay, India for a global impact as TNA is now becoming a global brand. You'll love to see it. With NC Shane Douglas backstage with three live crew. He wants to know if the family can stick together with Team Canada having the numbers advantage. BG James says they are tighter than pantyhose, two sizes too small. Kip James then walks in and offers to be in their corner to help, which BG and Truth are in agreement. 
saying is a great idea. But Conan and Kip face off once again with Conan threatening to put his shoe up Kip's ass. Kip says, don't say that I didn't offer and walk away. More teasing on this storyline that that goes on and on and on and never ends. It's the story that never ends. It goes on and on, my friend. Somebody yeah. started teasing, not knowing what it was. <laughs> just when you thought it was over, it's just right back. <laughs> but we get the match next up. Team Canada versus three live crew. Team Canada enter first, and Eric Young jumps at the sound of his own pyro, which really is uh, sort of the beginning of this paranoid character that he started recently, but I really feel like this is the jumping off point. Three Live Crew come out and hype the crowd, complete with camera close-ups of the crowd not knowing the words to say along, which <laughs> will always be endlessly hilarious to me. <laughs> There's tons of action early on with three live crew hitting all their greatest hits. Kip James emerges to watch from the ramp as the crowd chants new age outlaws. Mike Tanay calls the coach that cheeseburger eating Demore, as if cheeseburgers are bad. So automatically I take offense to this. Eric Young gets the victory over BG James after a hockey stick shot from Rude. They attack three live crew after the match until Kip pulls BG out of the ring. Team Canada then hold up Conan for Kip to use a chair on him. But Kip swerves them and lays out A1 with a headshot before Team Canada scatters. Conan looks absolutely perplexed, but in a respectful way. So what's the next step, KP? What do you think is coming? Hopefully a payoff to this storyline. <laughs> hey now, don't get your don't get your hopes up. Whoa. It's like, whoa, Kyle, how dare you ask for a payoff to a storyline? That's bullshit. You don't ask for that. Dude, I I'll never get tired of Conan just throwing his fucking shoe at people. As far as moves, uh, it's not the greatest thing ever. But man, this match, like, uh, I've already said it numerous times in the past, but Jesus Christ, what a talent Ron Killings is! This man, fucking phenomenal, and it just doesn't get talked about enough, like how amazing of a wrestler Ron Killings is. No, it does not. I feel like we as a society should. Love our truth that much more. Oh, for sure. Dude, and Conan, too. Oh, yeah, Conan, Conan, for sure. Conan like a, a couple near enough love either. A couple of years ago when when they found, uh, they ended up just, just saying fuck it and putting the United States title on truth, I was so stoked. <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, yes! We then cut backstage with Shane Douglas standing by with Larry Zabisco. Shane asks Zabisco who it's going to be to get the title shot later tonight. Zabisco rushes him out of the office saying that he will be the first to know who it is. After that, we get ultimate X action for the number one contendership as Matt Bentley takes on Chris Saban and Petey Williams. This is a fast paced high octane car crash match. 
exactly like you would expect. It's amazing to me the creativity and innovative offense from the X division. It's like they're constantly coming up with new spots for all these triple threat matches. And like they're always pulling out something new. And it's really awesome to see, especially with the uh, amount of (laughs) triple threat matches we get. Obviously, this one's a little different with it being Ultimate X. There was one spot in particular that was just sickening to watch. That was a hanging powerbomb from the cables above by Chris Saban onto Matt Bentley, which looked absolutely painful. But I think what this match will most be remembered for, (laughs) there's some confusion as the Red X that you must retrieve from the crossed cables above to win the match. The X falls from the ropes. And the match is paused for the crew to enter the ring to (laughs) enter the ring with a ladder to rehang the X. (laughs) The crowd initially boos before chanting for the competitors to use the ladder which makes all the sense in the world, if you ask me. (laughs) At this time, Don West mentions that this isn't the first time this has happened. He mentions this has happened in another match, and it's just part of it. It just happens. It's cool. Like, bruh, (laughs) just fix the thing. (laughs) Make it not happen. If it happened before, it shouldn't have happened the second time. Either way, after the X gets rehung, they pretty much just go back to repeat the same exact spot. And Saban and Bentley quickly get back on the ropes and meet in the middle, trading kicks, which is, I think, what they were supposed to do originally until they both fall. Positions himself under the X as the ropes bounce up and down. And the X falls for Petey to catch. The ref declares Petey the winner as the crowd chants bullshit. Not the way I wanted to see this match end. <laughs> no. This match just, oh man, so many bad things happen. <laughs> this, this, is a, this isn't a good match to show somebody if you want to protect the business. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Fuck you gonna pause the match. <laughs> I like that oh, immediately. Because I'm pretty sure the X falling was supposed to be the spot at the end. Yeah. And it just fell too early. So when it hits the mat, Petey initially runs to grab it. And the referee's like, no, 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 you can't pick it off. Can't pick it up off the ground. That's not how it works. And then right after they set it up, they do the same exact thing. And then the X just falls into Petey's hands and they're like, okay, that counts. Like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck? I think it makes they, no sense. They wanted to protect that match. They should have just been okay with Petey picking it up and being declared the winner. They Honestly, should've, it should have just ended it there. Like that. Yeah. It should have just ended there. Instead whatever. of having an entire fucking crew come in. <laughs> Match. With the ladder. Dude, that's just weird. In a, a, a fucking live crowd. God damn it. 
<laughs> that reminds me, my one and only time I've seen an Ultimate X match live was TNA Homecoming when they did their last show at the Nashville Fairgrounds ever. <laughs> and I remember it was like in, after the match was over and they're showing the package for the next uh, for the next match coming up. If you listen, watching back on the broadcast, which of course you can see me pretty much the entire show. I'm on camera the entire show facing hard cam. But you can hear a chant that I started whenever they cut to that next segment, whether it's the video package or an interview backstage, whatever. <laughs> but as the workers were like on top of the turnbuckle and trying to loosen the the ropes from the Ultimate X, which I'm glad someone caught on. I, I yelled out, Lefty Lucy. And the other side of the crowd said, Righty tidy. And we did a dueling chant back and forth, which popped just about everyone. And it was wonderful. So, yes, if you watch that, <laughs> if you watch that homecoming pay per view, you're welcome for that wonderful chant. <laughs> but. I would highly recommend going to see one of these matches if you are able to. Just throwing that out there. I'll try and find it. Up next, we have NWA tag title action as our champions, America's Most Wanted, take on the Naturals. And yes, you were hearing that right. The champions, America's Most Wanted, as they picked up the titles right before the pay-per-view. The Naturals, who were beaten and bloodied the night before, rush to the ring and start trading blows with AMW. It's a hard-hitting and brutal affair that does not stay in the ring long. The Naturals are in firm control until Gail Kim causes a distraction, allowing AMW to get the upper hand. Not long after this, Andy Douglas is handcuffed to the guardrail by Chris Harris and Gail Kim. Chase Stevens is then hit by a beer bottle and a death sentence for AMW to retain. How'd you feel about this match that it feels like we've seen a few dozen times now, but the roles are reversed. Uh, yeah. It was like an episode of, uh, of, uh, raw with this, uh, you know, all these matches that keep happening. Hey, if this was an episode of Raw, it would be a championship contenders match. Because <laughs> nothing gets me pumped to see someone face for the title than knowing that they've already beat the champion in a meaningless match on television. <laughs> oh, man. I'll rant about that stupid-ass show all night. Let's not, <laughs> let's not even. <laughs> oh, me too, me too. But AMW retained the tag titles thanks to a little help from Gil Kim. I'm happy Gil Kim's finally finally arrived. Me too. I she, Love Gil Kim. I know she plays in a, an important part in in TNA and, and Impact and uh, Knockouts. I believe she was a, good, a big part of them. Oh yeah, we will get to that later down the line. There's a a few hiccups along the way though. After this, we go backstage. Shane Douglas is standing by with Father James Mitchell. 
They're talking about the competitors being locked in a box with no food or drink overnight, which first of all, they keep changing this. Like every time they say it, they're saying these people were locked in a room for 24 hours. Then it was locked in a box overnight. And then it was locked in a cage starting at midnight. Like they cannot get on the same page of how these people were tortured. Nonetheless, Father James Mitchell says, During Abyss's childhood, he was forced against his will to spend countless nights and days under those exact circumstances. So fucking yikes. Father James Mitchell out here just admitting to child abuse. You know, no big deal. <laughs> like, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Jesus. And it goes on and on. Father James Mitchell compares Abyss, and here's where you get your CNN reference, Kyle, compares Abyss in this match by saying it's not unlike inviting a combat veteran with a purple heart to a game of paintball. Oh, he continues on and on, but honestly, it's just kind of rambling. I love Father James Mitchell. Not the best promo. No, no, especially after he watches CNN that week. But all is well, though, because up next is one of my favorite matches in TNA history. I've really, 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 really been waiting for this. It's Monsters Ball 2. Rhino versus Abyss versus Jeff Hardy versus Sabu. This match is wild. <laughs> it's just fucking wild. You get your two beefy boys, your two flippy boys. There's tons of weapons. It's good shit. So I would say if you don't watch anything from the show, just watch this match. Please go out of your way. Watch this match. They split into groups early on with Hardy and Abyss and Rhino and Sabu all brawling in different parts of the arena. Back in the ring, Hardy dumps out the garbage can full of weapons that was brought to the ring by Rhino. Sabu gets Rhino on top of a table that's draped across the guardrail and sends him through it with a springboard dive, but not to be outdone. Hardy puts Abyss on a pair of tables on the floor next to the stage. He then climbs the stage and then climbs the set on top of the stage and hits a swanton bomb through Abyss through the tables, which garners holy shit and this is awesome chance. This is definitely spot of the night, and I would argue one of the best spots in TNA history. Somehow, though, all four men are up relatively soon. Abyss goes for the big bag of tacks, but is gored through a table by Rhino. Hardy then continues his I'm sorry I fucked up tour as Rhino hits a top rope Rhino driver on Hardy for the win, just as Sabu just barely misses his attempt for a save. So Rhino is your victor. Hardy loses yet another match since coming back from his time away. After no showing a pay-per-view. Gotta just assume those may be connected somehow. What'd you think of the match? 
Oh, it was fucking excellent. Easily best best match of the pay per view so far. Uh, I I guess I never really like paid attention uh, too much, but man, Rhino's Rhino's gore is beautiful. This is a freaking thing of beauty. Dude, Rhino is so vastly underrated. Yeah, I love easily him so much. Gore. I know it's called the gore, but you know it's the spear, but easily best one in the game. But yeah, dude, this monster's ball is really, really fucking good. Would you agree with me that the Hardy Swanton was probably the most epic thing you've seen so far in TNA? Oh yeah, man. Like I said, I can't stress enough. If you don't watch anything else from this, please just go watch that. Please. Larry Zabisco is then shown backstage immediately afterwards to declare that there will be a 10-man gauntlet battle royal amongst wrestlers who already competed on the card to declare the number one contender. Jeff Jarrett and Shane Douglas are absolutely enraged. They act like this is the biggest travesty in the history of professional wrestling as if they don't fucking realize that this would be the person's third match of the night. (laughs) Jarrett should be thanking Zabisco. If anything, this made no sense. It really didn't. (laughs) He said, what do you mean? I got to face someone. I don't even know who I'm going to face. It's like, bro, this is literally their third match. It's, I hated it. I love, like I said, I love this company. I love this show. That made no fucking sense at all. We're going to keep the action rolling, though, as we get Iron Man 2. Not with Robert Downey Jr., but with Christopher Daniels taking on AJ Styles for the X Division Championship. This is a 30-minute Ironman match. Daniels jumps AJ before the bell to get the upper hand. I would argue this is not as good as the first. But anytime you get AJ and Christopher Daniels in the ring, you know it's going to be good. AJ picks up the one and only fall with a Styles Clash with one second remaining to remain your TNA X division champion thoughts. His match only, uh, only gets beat out by that monsters ball match. It's fucking, this is really, really good. I mean, it's AJ's, it's AJ styles and, and Daniel's course is going to be good. You know, fucking 30 minute Iron Man match. It's insane. But <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's interesting that AJ is uh, still the uh, the champion. I, I feel figured. like that was. I feel like that's their default. Yeah, basically, like, it's, we don't it's like we don't have anything for AJ, so let's put the X division title on him. Yeah, it's, it, it, either that or there's just like, well, we don't really know who else to push for the X division, so let's just give it back to AJ or keep it on AJ. Yeah. And that would be a pattern that would kind of uh, stick around. <laughs> oh, so so AJ's the Charlotte Flair of TNA. Hey, now, he's not that good, okay? <laughs> I 
I was listening to a podcast earlier today. It's actually a Wrestle Talk podcast, if I remember correctly, where they were talking about the average days of Charlotte Flair's championship rings. And I think the average was like 40 days. <laughs> it's like you've been champion 12 times in a six-year period. <laughs> like that's, that's a lot of trading the title back and forth. A lot. <laughs> She's going to be like R-Truth with the 24-7 title and be like a 48-time champion. And you know with Ric Flair out of the company now, they're going to make her a 16-time champion by the end of the year. <laughs> Unfortunately. But while we're on the subject of champions, though, we then go to our 10-man gauntlet to crown the new number one contender to face off with Jeff Jarrett for the NWA title on this night. Your entry in order from number one is Samoa Joe, Ron the Truth Killings, Sabu, Lance Hoyt. At number five is the Monster Abyss. Six, Jeff Hardy. Seven, Monty Brown. Eight, Rhino. Nine, Kip James. And ten, AJ Styles. Your final four sees Joe, AJ, Rhino, and Abyss. Abyss and Rhino square off, as does AJ and Samoa Joe. Abyss eliminates both Joe and AJ at the same time and then turns around into a gore from Rhino, who eliminates him quickly. Rhino is your winner. That is his second match of the night. And this bloodied Rhino doesn't have much time to rest as his third match of the night is about to get underway. Of course, Tito Ortiz is your special referee of the evening. Jeff Jarrett isn't alone, though, as he has a crew of security wheeling a casket behind him. Jarrett destroys a damaged rhino on the outside of the ring, looking to pick up the easy victory. He systematically picks apart rhino, slamming him repeatedly into the casket. Jarrett rolls Rhino back into the ring and cockily goes to the top rope three times, which proves to be one time too many as Rhino catches him by the throat. And as Don West so eloquently puts it, kicks him right in the nuts. Rhino sets up for the gore, but Jarrett sidesteps. Gail Kim climbs to the top rope, but is caught by Ortiz, who removes her from the ring as he's distracted. Jarrett grabs the guitar, Rhino ducks, goes for the gore, and Jarrett catches him pretty stiff right across the face with the guitar. Goes for the pin, but Rhino kicks out. AMW then come out and slide Jarrett another guitar. He swings and misses and is hit with a gore for the one, two, three. We have a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. But Jarrett pretty much no-sells the gore. He's immediately sitting up with a shocked expression, which irritated me. 
Planet Jarrett and Team Canada then beat down Rhino until three live crew attempt to make the save. The heels easily dispose of the faces and then blast Rhino with a guitar and throw him into the casket. At this point, Team 3D run out and quite easily kick all the heels' asses as if they are Sting taking on the NWO. And three live crew join in to help give EY a 3D and place him in the casket to send the fans home happy. So first of all, Rhino wins three matches in one night. He wins his first ever NWA heavyweight championship. You would think they could give him some sort of celebration. Something. This should be like a momentous thing, right? He's overcome all the odds. He hits Jarrett with a fucking gore for the pinfall victory. And then Jarrett just sits right up like he's the undertaker with his jaw dropped, looking around like, huh? What do you mean I lost? Like immediately. What the fuck, dude? I can't stand him sometimes. I really can't. (laughs) Like if you want to do the beatdown angle afterwards, go right ahead. Like, I get it. You want to get your heat back. But like that no sell of the gore irritated me to no end. Yeah, I don't know. That, man. It was just really shitty on on his part to do that. I'm really happy for Rhino. Like I said, Rhino was one of my favorite wrestlers. So this was a very cool time for me. Really excited for it. But didn't really care for that ending, though. But that is the end of TNA Bound for Glory 2005. KP, what are your initial thoughts? I thought it was a really, uh, a really solid, uh, solid show all around. Uh, a lot of great matches, uh, and not a lot of bad stuff, uh, unlike we've seen in the past. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Would you say it gave you the WrestleMania vibes? Not exactly. Uh, I do love that uh, closing shot, though, of uh, Rhino on top of that coffin holding the belt with Team 3D and everybody around him. But yeah, not uh, not exactly a WrestleMania-ish feel to me, though. It felt like a just a really solid, like, you know, TNA pay-per-view, but not like what should be a big, big, big show. But yeah, I agree for them to put this over as their Super Bowl, their final four, their world series all rolled into one. Like this is supposed to be their biggest show of the year. It was, it was really good. Don't get me wrong. I just don't feel like it was like a huge spectacle, but a really good pay-per-view nonetheless. But it is time to go deep into our mailbag and pull out a question. KP, I believe you have our first question. I do. Uh, This comes from uh, our friend on Twitter, Mike Brooks. Uh, Mike says, if you could come up with your own dream monster balls, uh, 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 monsters, monster balls, balls. <laughs> monsters ball match. 
between any company, who would it be? Oh, man. <laughs> I really, I'm torn between whether or not I want this to be like a legitimate, like men I'm scared of just ripping each other apart, or if I want this to be a comedy show. <laughs> Do you have your match already in mind? If I had to choose. I, I was trying to do like what I was trying to, you know, also figure out if I wanted to go comedy or just big men destroying each other. And I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with uh, give me Abyss, obviously. Brian Cage. Yo, I like where you're going. Lance Archer. Oh, shit. And Logan Creed. Holy fuck, yes. Yes. Such good shit. I love it. All right. Let's see if I can remix this a little. Abyss. Mick Foley. Raven and 2001 Kane. Tell that'd me be, that wouldn't be good shit. That'd be great. That'd be great. You, you know, the dream matches, you know, that that Kane versus Abyss. Yes. And if you want to, <laughs> if you want to really spice things up, add a fifth person to that match. That person is Norman Smiley. <laughs> Former WCW hardcore champion, Norman Smiley out there wearing his hockey pads and helmet, screaming every time one of the big men get near him. Come on, that would be gold. You know it. Yeah, that would, oh my God. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine that. My question comes from Jimmy Gibson, who asks, who is someone unlikely that you would like to see win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship? And first things first, let's take Shark Boy out of the picture, because obviously you would put every title on Shark Boy. Well, I mean, what about the obvious? Say it. Monty Brown. Hooey. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Monty Brown. Definitely. I'd also say Lance Archer or Lance Hoyt, I should say. I would have liked to see Conan for the NWA title, even if it was just for like a week. That man deserves it. Yes. Yes. I agree. Definitely Conan. He could have the title on, you know, one shoulder and shoe in hand, ready to <laughs> throw it at people. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> 
trying to think if there's anyone else that comes to mind. I think seeing James Storm with the NWA title would have been rather cool. But that's all that come to mind right now. Obviously, there'll be more people who will come into TNA through time. But as far as people who are there at the point we are now, those are the people I would choose. So with that said, let's go to our final verdict. We've kept the people waiting long enough. How would you rate TNA Bound for Glory 2005, Kyle? Is it TN Amazing? TNA? TN? Eh? TN Acceptable? Or TN Awful? I'm going to go with TNA just because it was, it was a really good show. It was real solid, great matches, but. I felt like it missed the mark on it being a, it's supposed to be like this massive, huge WrestleMania is show. It kind of missed the mark there. But other than that though, everything else hit. Yeah. It felt more like a recent WrestleMania. <laughs> it just seemed like a normal, not normal. It seemed like an above average show, but when you have your biggest show of the year in the same venue as you have every other TV show, every other pay-per-view. I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't really scream like this is bigger than the rest. It just screams, Hey, it's a good pay-per-view. So I will echo your rating. I'm going to go with a T N a, like I said, really good pay-per-view. I don't think it really held up to like, the WrestleMania quality that we were expecting. But I will say my highlights of the night were Samoa Joe versus Jushin Thunder Liger, as well as the Monsters Ball 2. And, of course, Rhino winning the 